0: Thank you for joining the Faith Chapel Podcast. Wherever you may be joining us, we hope you know you are loved and that this message encourages you. The only way out of our lostness, the only way that we could be redeemed, the only way that we could be set free, the only way that we could find our way through the doorway of heaven, the only way that that was possible was through God's grace. And we fell ourselves, as they used to say, on the mercy of God, right? Right? Many of you, you came forward in a church and you literally fell on the altar of God and you wept because you knew that you were lost and there was no other way but Jesus. And there was nothing you could do to even merit or earn God's grace. And you said, God, please, I'm so unworthy. And I know I don't. I know I don't deserve anything, God, that you would have for me, but Lord, thank you for your loving kindness and thank you, God, that you desire through your mercy to give me grace, unmerited favor. And you walked away from that moment where you experienced Christ for the first time and you knew what it was like to be free. You were set free from the bondages of sin. You were set free from from the entanglements of, of sin. And it's not that you changed overnight, right? I mean, if you walked in with bad breath, you gave your life to Christ, how many know you had bad breath? Right? I mean, everything changed spiritually, but you still were the same person on the outside. But there was a spiritual freedom that came to your life. That's why Scripture is able to say the old is passed away. And behold, all things become brand new. It's because of grace. But when we slip and we allow grace to be put on a scale, then all of a sudden we become participants, active participants, in whether or not that grace is alive and working in our lives. Well, I'm going to pray a little bit longer today, and I'm going to gain God's favor. I'm going to gain God's grace. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't pray. God God puts it on your heart to pray. Pray until God tells you to get up. Or maybe you say, I'm going to enter in a Bible study and I'm going, to, I'm going to really search the scriptures today. And normally we wake up from that moment or we get out of that moment we feel really good about ourselves. Instead, What we're really saying on the inside without saying it is that we feel we've earned somehow God's favor. Because listen, God, I love you so much. I've spent three hours studying this one passage. And I've unearthed everything out of it that I could get out of it. And Lord, you showed me so many wonderful things. And Lord, look. And we're trying to unwittingly earn God's, God's grace. And this is why I think this is an entanglement. Because for us in the church, then if we do that over a number of days, a number of weeks, or a number of months, then all of a sudden, then grace and earning God's grace and God's favor becomes about what we're doing and not who we're becoming. And God's not, really, God's not really that in awe of what we do necessarily. He's more concerned about who you are. And here's the reason why this is so important, because there's people that are in churches all across America today that they're living their lives this way. They're trying to earn God's grace. They don't know it, but they're trying to earn God's grace by praying and by being in church and by serving. And all those things are biblical and all those things are necessary and all those things are important. But they've slid into this belief, they've slid into this place to where if they could earn God's favor, if they could earn God's grace by doing more, Then what happens is that now all of a sudden the gospel, which is supposed to be good news, starts becoming bad news. How so, Pastor? What do you mean? It's because now after several months or even years of doing that, now all of a sudden the good news, the gospel or serving God, becomes a noose around their neck, a burden that's too heavy to carry because they're never measuring up they're never able to measure up to to the standard that God has set they begin to look at they begin to look at service and they begin to look at doing and they begin to look at their bible study and they begin to look at their prayer time and they begin to look at their church attendance as marks of merit on some chalkboard in eternity and then they feel like they've arrived and then they then all of a sudden then all of a sudden this heaviness begins to filter into their life and they realize I can't quite measure up to what God's expectation is. And if I can dare say it this way, then church attendance and service becomes more about service and duty and obligation than it does about love for God and love for people. You see, when we come together, it's not really what we can receive. It's really about God, isn't it? About God, we're here to worship you. You seek after a God. You seek after those who worship you in spirit and truth. And so it really isn't about what's sung or what's said or what the pastor preached on. It's really not about whether or not it connected with me in that moment. Because if we come with the right heart and we come with an openness and we're here to say, God, I'm here to worship you in spirit and truth. I'm here to give you everything that I have. Because, God, there's nothing that I could do to merit your favor, your grace. But I thank you for your loving kindness anyway. And I thank you that your love extends beyond eternity and it's far wider and far deeper and far greater than I'll ever understand. So God, I want to worship you. Then it doesn't matter what we sing or what's preached on because we're going to walk out here with full hearts because God will do something in our life individually as we gather because he promises to be right there in the middle of us. And I think there's so many people that are caught in this noose of where service is duty. Serving God becomes this heavyweight because they'll never measure up, because they can never do enough good things, never pray long enough, never understand the Bible well enough, never witness good enough, never lead enough people to Jesus. It's never good enough. And after you do that for a number of years, how I many know that's just hard? And that sounds like the opposite of what Jesus said to the disciples. That I want you to take this burden on. I want you to take because it's light. My burden is light. He says, and it all comes back to understanding God's amazing and incredible grace. See, grace is this understanding of in all points in our life that I'm never, ever good enough. That there's nothing that I can do to merit or even enter into that relationship with God. Ephesians, this is a famous passage, you know it, but Ephesians chapter two. I wanna start with verse four. But because of his great love for us, how many know God loves you? Huh? God absolutely is enthralled with you. You are his creation. He has created you and designed you with purpose and given you a future and a hope. In fact, the Bible says that every morning he wake, when you wake up, he rejoices over you. That he enjoys revealing himself to you. That he loves you so much that while you are sinners, Christ died for us. That his love knows no boundaries. It's limitless. And Paul's talking to the church in Ephesus here, but because of his great love, the word great, we use we so overuse that term that we almost just read right past that. But really, Paul's trying to say that this greatness of God's love is beyond description. It's too marvelous for words, it's beyond compare. There's nothing like it in all the universe. And because of that kind of love, God who is rich in, say it, well, he's rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we are dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. How have you saved? By, By grace. It's by grace. Some of you are, yeah, Pastor, we know, we know. No, no, we don't live this way. It's by grace. There's nothing you can do For it is by grace that you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Verse 7. In order that in the coming ages he might show his incomparable riches of his grace. Why did he show us his mercy? Why did he give us this great love? Why did he extend his grace to us for all who would receive it? Why did he do that? Because he wanted to extend through us the incomparable riches of his grace. You know, scripture says that we're all crackpots. <laughs> well, it doesn't say it quite that way. It says we're earthen vessels, but... That's really what it is. Earthen vessels had cracks in them, and the vessel itself was meaningless. It had, you know, they, they were they carried all kinds of daily essential items inside of them that, and they were quite common in Jesus' day. Says so you're just an earthen vessel. You've just been shaped out of clay. You're just You're just, you're you're a crackpot. You got some cracks, some nicks over time and some things that have happened in your life. But it's not what's on the outside that really makes it incomparable or makes it so valuable or makes it worthwhile. It's what is on the inside of that vessel. And for us, those of us that have given our lives to Jesus Christ, it's his spirit that resides on the inside of us. It's Christ, the hope of glory. That's what makes our lives so unique and so special because we carry a priceless gift on the inside of us. And as we go about doing our day-to-day work and we go about fulfilling the purposes that God has created for us, then what happens in our life is he gets to show forth the incomparable grace of God through all the things that we do in our lives as we yield ourselves to him. We get to be participants in that grace. But Paul wants to make sure that we completely understand what's coming. He goes on to say the incomparable rich of his grace expressed in his kindness to us through Jesus Christ. And then the verse that everyone knows, he wants to make sure they get it. Even though we get to participate in it, even though it gets to, we get to be the ones where that grace shines forth in our lives, and people get to see that in our lives. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It's a gift from God. It's not about you, in other words. It's not about how many passages you memorize, although those are, those are good things. It's not about how much time that you've spent in prayer this morning. It's not about how much Bible reading you put in. It's not about how much service you put in. Although I'm not saying not to do any of those things. They're all good and they're all biblical. But that's not what earns God's grace in your life. That's not how God shows his mercy in our life. That's what religion does. And that's the noose that gets put around us. And that's what happened in the New Testament. That's what Jesus so many times had had to fight for or he was trying to point out to those that were religious of his day is like you're getting put into this religiosity that is meaningless and it's nothing and it doesn't bring anybody to my heavenly father but he said for you who have been saved by grace through faith I'm going to show my incomparable riches of my love and of my glory and of my grace and he says then there's nothing that you can do to earn it that's good news Because see, some of you are sitting here going, guys, I'm so far away from God. No, you're not. It's God's grace. You've allowed yourself to get into false thinking to where you're so far away from God. And listen, I get the scriptures. I'm not trying to be a heretic today. I know, I know that it is possible to fall out of God's grace and willingly sin. I get that. I'm not talking about that this morning. What I'm talking about is those of you that have the right heart and you're trying to do the right things, you cannot fall out of God's grace. That's good news. That's good news. And sometimes we have bought into the lie of the enemy that says, no, you're just not good enough. You'll never be a good enough Christian. You'll never do enough good things. You'll never be able to memorize enough passages. You'll never be able to lead someone to Christ because your life just isn't worthwhile. Can I tell you that your life is absolutely worthwhile, that you're someone who's been made in the image and the likeness of God, that God has called you for such a time as this. And according to Acts chapter 17, he chose the exact moment the exact place and the exact time for you to be born. And you have influence and the people that you walk around and you have meaning and you have purpose. And if you'll tell your story and you'll just let Jesus shine through you, God will work through you in ways that you never dreamed possible. But God is just waiting for you to rely upon his grace and so when you stand before people it's not with pride or arrogance it's where you stand in front of people you said if it were not for God's grace this is where I would be but I'm so grateful that God loved me that he set me free amen When you stand in front of people, you're to give God all the praise and all the glory for he's the only one that's worthy. You say, God, it's all about his grace working in my life that he lavished on me even before the foundation of the world. That he called me and he drew me out of darkness and brought me into his marvelous light. And there was nothing that I could do to save myself. It was only through the grace of God and his great love for me that he drew me to Calvary and allowed me to be set free. It was grace. I couldn't pray a prayer that was long enough. I couldn't serve long enough. I couldn't do anything enough. It was only God's grace. God's grace. Not that anyone could earn it, he says. You can't earn God's grace this morning. And some of you are here living that lie. You are trying to earn the grace of God for your life. It's a lie. It keeps you in condemnation. And I'm just asking you to crawl out from under that rock of condemnation and be set free this morning. So I'm not going to serve God that way anymore. I'm not going to buy into that lie anymore. I'm going to serve God because I love God and I love people. I'm going to serve God's house because Jesus loves his house. And he said, I'm going to build the church and the church, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm going to serve because God has given me gifts that I want to use that will build the body of Christ and that will reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have a part to play because I'm a part of this great body and I want to play my part, whether it's the small toe, whether it's the little pinky or whether it's the heart. I don't know, but I'm going to do everything I can to utilize my gifts for God's. There's a big difference in that. I'm not just going to serve because Because I'm told to, or I have to, or that's the church's motto. And yes, yes, that's why we exist to serve one another in our community. We feel strongly about that. But the motive behind it is because we love God and because we know we've received God's grace. And by the way, isn't the spiritual gifts the Bible talks about that you've been given, aren't those God's grace that's being distributed in its various forms? It's God's grace. So that you could allow that grace to be extended to other people. You don't have to walk in condemnation any longer to trying to earn God's grace this morning. You've been set free. And the Bible says who the son sets free is free indeed. I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. Look what it goes on to say. We're almost done. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and it is not of yourself, it is a gift from God, not by works. There it is. You saying, Listen, church, you can't work your way into it, you can't do enough, right? In fact, the Bible says that there's going to be several people that were going to come to Jesus on that day, that day that Jesus is revealed. And they're going to go, I taught Sunday school for 40 years in your name. And he's going to say, I don't even know who you are. You say, How is that possible? It's possible. Because they didn't understand grace. They thought that they could serve for 40 years and they would be all right. They thought because they had a praying grandma that they'd be all right. They thought because they had a praying mom and dad, they would be all right. They thought that if they gave enough money to the church that they would be all right. They felt like all those things helped them, but those are works. It's not grace. It says it's not by works. It's not by works. Now, am I saying any of those things are bad? Make sure you understand me. Am I saying anything those are bad? No, it's not bad, is it? Right? You spell million M-I-L-L for your tail, filling out the check, or just right, just fill that out and Faith Chapel would be awesome, right? It is not by works so that no one can, here's the, here's the thing, so that no one can boast. This is a condition of the heart. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. There's not one of us in here that can boast. What did Paul say? They tried to give him all these accolades. He was starting churches. He was, people were being saved wherever he went. And he said, listen, if I'm going to boast, I'm only going to boast about Christ and him crucified. I'm just going to boast all the more in my weaknesses because that's where he's really made strong is in my weakness. I can't boast about anything in my flesh. I can't boast about any of my knowledge. I can't boast about any of the skills. I can't boast about anything that I've done. He says, really, it's just Christ in me, the hope of glory. And it's his grace that's being revealed unto all humanity. And wherever I go, all I want to do is just lift up the name of Jesus and let them know about this incredible grace. It's not that we could boast. You know, Christians ought to be some of the meekest and most humble people on the planet. But I think our reputation is is that we're some of the most prideful people. I think some of the people that we're called to witness to, some of the people that we're called to, to win to the Lord or minister, you know, God's grace to, They look at the church or they look at our lives as people who are prideful or arrogant or like we're better than everyone else because now we're saved and we're going to heaven and you're not and you haven't figured it out yet and you're going to get left behind and you're going to go to hell. If you don't figure this out, you need to come into the knowledge that I've come into because that's how we come across. But I think if we were meek and lowly like Jesus and how many know we're supposed to be like Jesus? he was meek and lowly and if we're really going to be like jesus then I, then i think then we should be the most humble people that in our relationships especially with lost people we ought to be you know really it was all about the grace of god he reached out to me when i was so undeserving Nobody wanted me. When nobody would take me in. When nobody showed me kindness. When no one showed me love. It was God's grace. How many are so grateful for the grace of God? Huh? It's God's grace. It's God's grace. I finish with this last verse. Then we'll get ready for some communion. Is this okay that we're not formal message today? Just something in my heart. Is this okay? Anybody learn anything? Verse 10. Verse 10. For we are God's workmanship. Thank you, Lord. We are God's workmanship. He hasn't given up on you. Because of grace, no matter what you think you've done, no matter how far away you are from God this morning, can I tell you, he's not given up on you. He's still working on you. You may not be where you want to be, but I can tell you assuredly because of God's grace, you're right where you need to be. That we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. What do we do with this grace that God has given us? We extend this grace through serving others and extending that grace to other people. But it's all about God's amazing grace. Isn't it? you see how easy it is for us to slip into a doer mentality in the church? Do we make it about works instead of really being dependent upon God's grace and love in our lives? Here's why this is so important. Because a church that will fall in love with Jesus And throw themselves in their personal devotional time and in a service like this on the altar of God, figuratively speaking, where your heart is being moved towards God. And you say, Lord, this is all about what you're doing in my life right now. And the person that takes no credit for that, but throws themselves at the feet of Jesus each and every day, those are the people that God chooses to elevate Those are the people that God chooses to reveal his goodness and his grace through. Those are the people that God does his greatest miracles through. Those are the people that God shows forth his glory through. Those are the people. And how many of you know we need to be a church like that? Because how many of you know that's what our community needs? They need to see a real God at work in our lives. And they need to experience the real grace of God in our lives. I'm so grateful this past week we were able to go to the general council. It was the heart of our superintendent. He's like our president over our movement. And it was the heart of our general superintendent that this not just be about business. Because this is where we come every two years and we vote and we conduct the business of our church of our, as a movement, as a fellowship. But his heart was, is that we, he create opportunities where we get to meet with God. And we were, we were in a service and worship was impactful like it was here this morning and God was moving and his spirit and his presence was real. And, and the Lord just asked me to get on my knees right where my chair was and there wasn't an altar moment. So I just got where I was on my knees there. I was all by myself. I was in a section all by myself. And and so I was just able to kind of turn around, not draw attention to myself. And then God began to deal with me about what I just shared with you. About grace. And if I could use a modern terminology, I would say it this way, that I just got wrecked. And I was weeping about how many times I have allowed myself to fall into a faulty mentality or lifestyle of trying to earn God's grace. I fight being an athlete. I love that I was an athlete. It taught me so much, but I fight it so much in my life. If you didn't have a good game, then what did you do the next day? Just got in the gym a little early, put up more shots, right, until you felt it, and just worked harder. And that's what I think we do sometimes in our walk with Christ. We don't feel God. If He hasn't answered a prayer, if He hasn't been close, He hasn't not right there, then we just, well, we got to work harder. And look, I, I, I know all the passages. I know that if we seek God, that he seeks us. I, I know that if we hunger and thirst for God and righteousness, then he, you know, he, he fills us. I, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm talking about a mentality that says we have to work our way into God's favor and God's grace. It doesn't exist. As I sat there and as I just wept before the Lord for a long period of time, and the lights came on in the room and it was time to leave. And I'm like... Oh, wait wait a minute. <laughs> you know, kind of get up and walk away. Is anybody watching me? kind of think. There was just a new freedom that came into my spirit that day. It's a new freedom that I wanted to share with you that I've been changed because of God's grace. And I think that all of us We could come back to Jesus this morning and we could all be changed by just having a fresh infusion of God's grace work in our life to let us know that you're already acceptable to God. Oh, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. No, I don't know what you've done. Here's what I know. Where sin abounds, grace does that much more abound. So it doesn't really matter what height or depth that you put on your sin. God's grace is so much bigger than that. And his love for you is so much more real than that. And so before we become, you know, before we get around the table of the Lord, can we just bow our heads right now? And can we just open up our hearts all over this place? Would you make an altar like I did that day, just right where you are? Maybe something I said connected with what you are going through, with what you're feeling. Maybe you've been trying to earn God's grace, God's favor in some way. Maybe you've slipped under that rock of condemnation where you just never felt like you would be good enough. Can I tell your Abba Father, your Daddy God, your Heavenly Father loves you just the way you are. You've been made in His image. And He's smiling down at you right now, and He loves you. He loves you with an everlasting love. And maybe you just use this moment to crawl out from there and say, God, I'm not going to live that way any longer. I'm not going to live in condemnation for there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm going to walk in liberty and I'm going to walk in grace and I'm going to walk in forgiveness. and I'm going to walk in the power of your spirit in my life. And while you're praying and while you're there, maybe you're here in this room this morning and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. It all starts right there. Where our sins are completely forgiven. Everything that we have done, everything that you're currently doing, and everything that you will ever do has been nailed to the cross 2,000 years ago. And Jesus said, listen, it is finished. They're forgiven. I came here to do what the Father sent me to do. To give my life as a ransom for all of humanity. Jesus was that. Was that sacrifice, that perfect sacrifice for us. So, all across this room, if that's you, if you need to experience God's grace anew, or if you need to come to, gra- to grace for the, maybe the very first time, and you need to forgive, ask God to forgive you of your sins and to come into relationship with Jesus Christ, when I count to three, would you slip your hand up all over this building so we can all come to the table, of the Lord, and, and we can all participate in receiving these precious elements in just a few moments would you do that with me because i want everyone to be able to participate and all you have to do is be a to be a a believer in god to be a believer in christ to make jesus your Lord. That's all i have to do to be able to participate commune this morning i want to make sure every one of you have that chance are you ready one two right now three raise your hand all over this place pastor pray for me thank you 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 anyone else thank you lord can everyone pray this prayer out loud? Let's pray it together. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you for your great grace. I thank you for your love for me. I thank you that you've created my life, that you've given me purpose, that you have a plan for me. And I thank you for dying for me. I receive the free gift of eternal life. And I repent of all of my sin. And I ask you to come into my heart. I make you my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise God. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. How many are grateful for God's grace this morning, huh? Amen. Before we go on, I know that um, there's a lot of you in this room that are teachers, administrators, and you work in a school, whether private or public. Can we pray for you? I know that some of you are getting ready to start this week. And we would love to have the honor of just praying for you. So would you just all stand? And then if you're working in a school, maybe a cafeteria, it doesn't matter. You're just working in a school. All of us, let's go ahead and stand. And if, you, as you're standing, if you work in a school, would you just come to the front? We would love to pray for you. Would you do that for me right now? We want to do that right now. Come on, we honor all of our teachers, and we love you, and we're grateful for you. And just want to make sure, guys, go ahead and line up here and face the front, maybe just kind of that what's... And let's, let's make sure we have... Um, everyone has somebody praying with them. Preferably guys with guys and gals with gals. Guys. guys, if you face me, would you do that? Can we, that way people can come behind you and put their hand on your shoulder and pray with you. Can we do that? That would be awesome. And let's make sure someone has somebody praying for them. So come on up if you want to board staff, elders and pastors and their wives. Let's, let's go ahead and put a hand on them and pray for them. Some of you know, most of you probably don't know that I was a school administrator for 13 years. Teachers are some of the most giving people on the planet. They give their own salaries and their own money to resource the room, to do things for kids, to buy things for kids, sometimes even meals for families, supplies that kids need or that the school needs. And, They work long hours. Some say, well, yeah, it makes me nice to be a teacher. You get the summer off. (laughs) They need the summer off to recuperate because they're literally working from sunup to past sundown every single night, grading papers, worrying about their students. And they are shaping the minds of our young people. They're shaping the minds of the next generation And they have such an important role and responsibility in our culture and our society today, don't they? And teachers, we love you. We want to pray God's blessing on you. We want to equip you. So when you go back into the classroom, that you, you have the presence of God, the power of God working in your life. That this, that God has called you to, that you're able to be the witness that God wants you to be to those students. That God gives you a spirit of discernment. I know that every student is different and every student requires something different to motivate them and to help them become the best version of themselves that they can be and, and each year, especially you elementary students, but every year, every at every level, you get a new, you get a new class and you have to reevaluate and reassess and you have to find out what those students are, who they are, how God's made them and wired them and what, how they're equipped. So I want to ask God to be with you through this year. Would you extend your hands toward them? Would you guys would you stand everyone? Would you stand? I want to just ask the whole audience to stand here. I mean, and just stretch your hands toward them and let's do this. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much. I thank you, God, for every one of these teachers, administrators, and workers. Father, I thank you that as they go back into the schools this year, that Father, that you would minister. Father, your grace, as we've been talking about to them, it's all about your grace. Being on full display in their life would it radiate, Father, I pray, throughout all that they do so people would see their good deeds and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Would you place an anointing, God, upon them? Father, would you give them a spirit of discernment for every student, but God also, as the As the days unfold and as they become weary, God, we pray that your spirit would strengthen them in their inner man. We pray, oh God, that as they impart wisdom and knowledge and understanding, Father, to students, that, Lord, that it would be wrapped in truth, your truth. And that, Lord, that you would use them, Father, to draw people, God, unto yourself. I pray, Father, that this year would be an incredible year. God, that they've met maybe beyond anything that they've ever had previous. And that, God, that you would send your spirit, God, to, to wrap around them and keep them safe from all harm. Lord, we know of what has happened in school districts, maybe across the country, God, and things that have happened in classrooms. But, Lord, would you protect them and their students? God, would you allow them, Father, to have your presence at work in their life? Would you give them favor with those that make decisions, God, over their life? Would you help them, Father, to earn to know how to speak, God, to those students and their parents, God, in such a way that, Lord, that they're, as they begin to mold and shape the next generation of leaders, that, God, that you would help them to prepare those students to be all that you've called them to be. We thank you, Lord, for their generosity and for their heart and for their hard work. We thank you, God, for their provision and grace that you've placed in their life. We thank you, O oh God, for the calling that you've placed upon them to be teachers. And I pray, God, you would activate that gift, God, even from day one. That as they communicate, Father, it would be with the touch of heaven upon it. And you would cause, Father, those, those subjects to come alive unto the, each and every student. Father, we know that in the wee hours of the morning when they're grading papers and we know when they wake up in the morning and they need that cup of coffee to get started, Lord, may they feel your embrace. May they feel your presence. May they hear your gentle whisper. God, and we thank you for that all year long. Separate them and set them apart, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen. 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 As we get ready for communion and as they're seated, can we just sing one more song, guys? Would you help us? You know, the word communion actually means participate. We're part, both parties participate together and come together. And when we come together for communion, we're we're active participants. God is participating. That's why there's always such a great presence of God, in the service of God. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you hadn't already, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like to further connect with us here at Faith Chapel, visit us online at faithchapelsd.com or on any social media platform at Faith Chapel SD. We hope to see you real soon.